All right, everybody, welcome to Yeah But Still. Um, Brandon, how you Ooh. doing over there? We have a, we have an exciting episode a, in the works. I think this is a special. I, I would say that this is a this is a very special episode of Yeah But Still. I'd say one of those this where is, it's like a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, well, this is for the guest. The guest does not know that though. We right. It's a long time coming for us. A patron saint yes. of this podcast, maybe. I'd say. Definitely yeah. a touchstone would, of influence. I would say so. I mean, I would say that the show that he was on is a patron saint of the podcast, but also the the new movie he's in is really is amazing, and I don't want to I don't want that to get lost. Absolutely not. But but uh, to get to the point, joining us very the soon, the detective and the OC, Adam Brody. Adam Brody is joining us very soon, along with uh, writer director of the movie Evan Morgan. Um, We'll talk about them. We both love Kid Detective. It's this new movie that they're that Evan directed and Adam's in. But Adam Brody, I mean, I'm a, I'm a little nervous over here, Brandon, to be honest with you, because yeah, yeah, yeah. Seth Cohen, the OC, I mean, emblematic for me, and I don't want to go full Chris Farley mode where I'm just like describing the show to the, to him, right? You know, but that's kind of like where my instincts are to be like, yeah. do you remember when? You had the band come and play at on the show, and you got to meet Modest Mouse, and <laughs> you... Yeah, I mean, the music on that show, there was like a full episode that's basically just an infomercial for Rooney. Yeah, there's... Rooney's really, like, really present in that show. Yeah. I'd no, say... there's like... Well, because Oliver, the weird guy, who's obsessed with Marissa, but Mar- Marissa doesn't understand that he's, like, he's he's twisted... Yeah. Uh, he invites her to the Rooney concert. Ryan, he's protective of his girl, and he's being—he's kind of being distant and like, he's—he's, he's, uh, you know, he's, uh, like, I don't know, he's bothered. And Marissa, you know, she comes up behind him. She's like, Ryan, why are you sad? Rooney's a really good band, you know. <laughs> and yeah, that's that episode is like—I mean, music on that—the music on that program is like seminal well honestly i don't think i realized it until after the fact but it put so many um so much like indie music that went mainstream uh is because of that show yeah which i didn't when it came out i was in high school i think and um or middle school i can't remember but like i was listening to that music and then i didn't realize like when it became like those bands became massive it was because of the oc you know, like Death Cab for Cutie, right. they became like huge. Sure. Um, from I like it just went went into the main mainstream of culture. You know, right. Um, and also just music that was already big, but like cool. Like they had a lot of cool music moments. Oh no, Death on like, that program. Yeah, they weren't like Death Cab was a big band. Um, but this was all of a sudden it was on MTV. You know. Yeah, I, I was I last night. You know, Adam Adam Brody. And Evan, they're on the books. And so I revisited the OC last night, and it's the episode with the uh, the Paris Hilton cameo. Oh, where there's my like, God, yes. It's a very, like, uh, kind of meta episode where it's, you know, Summer is obsessed with some show called uh, The Valley, you know, whatever. <laughs> meets meets Colin Hanks, who meets meets the the guy who's playing, the, who's the Adam Brody of the fake OC on this program and it's right after the movie orange county just came out oh yeah 
So there's a lot. This of was play like a here. big time for Southern California. Yes. Yeah. So there's this is right after the the Colin Hanks Jack Black film Orange County just came out, and it's Colin Hanks playing Adam Brody, <laughs> basically on a fake OC show, and uh, they you know whatever. It's like it's a funny enough episode, but there's this like Paris Hilton cameo that's like super like they they like shoehorn in this like uh this like Thomas Pynchon reference. <laughs> Yeah, where it's like supposed to be like it's Paris Hilton shows up and it's like, oh, you think she's stupid, but she's actually smart. And uh, she like bumps into Seth Cohen at the club. Yeah. And um, he's like, oh, hey, uh, oh, how are you? And she's like, oh, I'm tired. I've been staying up all night working on my thesis. It's about uh, magical realism in American literature. Uh, are you familiar with the works of Thomas Pynchon? <laughs> hi, hi. How's it? Uh, how's it going? I'm so exhausted. Yeah. Yeah, I've been up all night working on my thesis, magical realism in American literature. Are you familiar with the works of Thomas Pynchon? I've only read the crime of Lot Forty Nine. Gravity's Rainbow is his masterpiece. Don't tell anyone I'm in grad school. <laughs> Doesn't he get her number on that? F- Episode two? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like Seth Cohen yeah. gets her number. It was very... That was a... I forgot about that one because it's like so referential and, and very meta. And... um Right. And also like I just forgot how much was... How much of culture was uh, circled around the suburbs of Southern California at that time. I mean... Right. Not to mention... I mean, I'd say like the dark triad... Uh, at least one one point in the triangle is Hollister as a brand. Remember how hot Hollister oh, yeah. was? Hollister was like big on, and it had Cali the on the thing. Live feed yeah. of, uh, was it Newport right. Beach that they had? I think so. Yeah, a lot was happening in, right. in Orange County. You know, Hollister was huge. Everybody around the country was dressing like in Hollister yeah. clothes, which was supposed to I be I mean, the like, OC is, yeah, like it's a show that I watched much later because of the, because of like what it represented to me in culture at the time where I was like, oh, that's what popular kids watch. I thought so too. So the, yeah. Dude, like, I, I was like, I only noticed, I only noticed the effects of it because like yeah. there were like a couple popular girls that like became indie overnight in my school and like tried to be yeah. emo and would like all of a sudden <laughs> try to come sit at our lunch table and it would be very like, we are very suspicious, you know? Right. We're like some girl like... That was the thing that would happen in high school. Like some, like a popular kid would just like get clothes, apparently, like get a band T-shirt right. and like skinny jeans and like show up to school and it's just like, oh, I'm emo now, I'm I'm yeah. alt now, and then try to yeah, get and in. And it was weird. We were Seth all Cohen. very suspicious. But now I realize, like, oh, they probably had a crush on Seth Cohen and were trying to come get right. their own, trying to find their own Seth Cohen in school and listen to <laughs> Death Cat, right. you know. Yeah, and then they finally. Yeah, I mean, th- then everybody's a dick to them, probably at the at that real life lunch table, because it's like, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> right, these preps. Yeah, Were I you- mean, I I did. Yeah, like it was like a show that I came to appreciate years later. Oh, it's a great show. Um, yeah. Well, seasons one and two are a great show. Yeah, seasons one and two, seasons three and four can fucking suck my dick, but seasons one and two, that's like. Those those that was heat. Those were the days for sure. Yeah. All star cast. I'd say. Yeah. Great cameos, wild cameos. Yeah. And the music, most importantly, I'd say. You know. 
Yeah. Had a, had a big impact. That's for sure. And um, you know, no, just for sure. But Seth Cohen, obviously, standout character. Yeah. Easily. A, you know, a, a, a heartthrob. Absolute heartthrob. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm very like like we've referenced this a lot on the podcast before, and um. I have a lot, like I have a lot going in my mind. I'm very excited for this interview. I also liked Kid Detective a lot, so yeah, Kid Detective rocks. I'm my, uh, the shit, I, the shit in my head's like too. I don't know. Like I have um, like very big thoughts about the OC, and I need to not like go full nerd mode. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, because it know, is it's, like it's 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 just it's just interesting. We were talking about there's like QAnon people. Some of the cast members have become QAnon. Yeah, I mean Anna. Anna is like full. Anna is like from the Seth Summer Anna love triangle. Yeah, has taken a sharp maga turn. Kevin Sorbo um, and Kevin Sorbo, who I didn't realize like Kev, Kev, oh. so Kevin Sorbo is yeah Ryan's shitty dad. Yeah, yeah, who's made went yeah. on to made make like a series of weird Christian movies and is also like, I mean, just the other day he was had a very funny series of tweets during the the storming of the Capitol, he was like, <laughs> there was, he put, I th- sent him to you, Brandon, I think there was like three tweets oh, where yeah. he was just basically like the first one was when people were marching to the Capitol. He's like, it's happening. And the next one was like, <laughs> like basically just being like soldiers, be careful, be smart out there. Like, good luck. I <laughs> wish you the best while you storm the Capitol. Uh-huh. And then the third one was like a couple hours later after it all went South. And he's like, Antifa was clearly behind <laughs> Like, uh, that yeah, was yeah, all yeah. clearly Antifa. Right. There was no Trump uh, supporters storming the Capitol. But yeah, I mean, like, yeah. that played, he did play a bad guy in the show, technically. But I sure. mean, talk about somebody who's made like a weird life plot twist. I, yeah. I, maybe, I mean, it's a reminder that you can never really like project your political values onto fake people from TV. Absolutely not. You can never, you can never just assume that like the person from the TV is a. Uh, you know, has your has, shares your politics. Although that being said, perhaps he was the most accurate character um, in terms of like depicting Orange County. You know, yeah, and Orange prescient. County is, yeah, that's a very red county, very red. You know, yeah, like that is, yeah. I know. I I mean, I I've uh, I always have a horrible time when I when I'm in Orange County. How when do you have to go at there the, at the damn Irvine Improv? I've, I've oh uh, yeah you've gone ah, oh yeah yeah, yeah, yeah yeah I've had to like I've 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 gone to like perform at the damn Irvine Improv at the Irvine Spectrum Center. Oh that sounds rough. Yeah, I mean it's like not it was like I mean that's a place where people go to just like it's people that live in Orange County and the people that go there are oftentimes people that are like I want to go see comedy at a comedy club. Yeah. And then like I'm performing, and it's like that's not that's, that's not, not what, what they're to, looking for not, whatsoever. That's not what you want to fucking see. If you live in Orange County and you go to the mall to see comedy, and just like you're you're like, oh, I gotta go to the mall to see comedy in general. Oh, it's in a mall. And then, yeah, it's in a goddamn well, like an outdoor mall, but still. Are we talking like an outlet mall, or is it like? No, it's like in a damn like it's the Irvine Spectrum Center. It's the fucking it's like a nice mall, but like yeah, that's not. Uh, I'm not. I'm not the, like, the man for that h- venue. How close of to a Red Robin is this comedy club? Like in terms of physical distance. Oh, I mean, it's definitely close to a Cheesecake Factory. Okay, sure. that that indicates. So we're talking like 
I mean, I would I'm, say I would say Grove S. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know how to make a reference that a worldwide audience would understand, but similar to yeah. the Grove in L.A. So we're talking like a a classy joint, you know? Right. There's an Apple yeah. store yeah, in no, there. They've like, got an Apple store. It's maybe it's a classy mall. Yeah. Yeah. Apple store. Um. um I'm, oh, I'm looking at the, the map right now. Okay. <laughs> okay. Nordstrom. Yeah. You got Rocky Mountain Chocolate Factory. So you know you're getting some chocolates in there. Um, yeah, for sure. Starbucks. Um, I like how yeah, no, I just I'm, want to plug. Uh, I'm, yeah, just I'm just plugging this mall. The Irvine <laughs> Spectrum Center. <laughs> yeah. Uh, maybe we should. Uh, yeah, there's a C- <laughs> there, yeah, there's a CPK. Yeah, you know there's a fucking goddamn California pizza kitchen in there. Eating up. Oh, and a fucking. Oh, there's oh, a Dave and Buster's. Busters. Oh, oh, wow. Shit. Temporarily closed, oh, shit. though. Yeah. Oh, there's an yeah, right. It's right by the Umami Burger. Yes, of course. Yeah, the Irvine Improv right by the the Umami Burger. Anthropology. Well, that was oh, press juicery. Yeah, I mean, I've I I've never had a show that was like better than kind of mediocre there. Yeah, I mean, well, you're set up for failure right here if if this is the place where you're going to be doing comedy. Yeah. Like let's see. I I still haven't actually seen where the improv is. What's it called? The Irvine Improv? Irvine Improv. I just need to see what business is next to this. Yeah. Oh, it's right next to the AT&T store. We're right next mm-hmm. to an AT&T store. Um, Paul, Paul Martin's really American idea of, I really love the idea of uh, like an OC fan listening to this podcast for the first time. They've never listened to this podcast. And they, they, have, they, they saw that Adam Brody is on our podcast and they're fucking like 10 minutes in and it's just like yeah no there's like a california pizza kitchen at this mall dude (laughs) i mean this is an accurate it's an accurate depiction of the podcast so anyway look i needed the right info to to know for sure that like you know this comedy club you oh you you know there's a fucking pf changs in this mall honestly that sounds all this sounds nice during no it's a nice enough mall mid-pandemic this is sounding nice, so I I don't know. Maybe I'm just yeah. like watering at the mouth over here to to do a true mall walk, you know? Yeah. Get myself a little a latte, walk into the Apple Store. Ooh wee. Check out the new stuff. I would love it. You yeah. know, listen to some music. No, no some Frank Sinatra. At, no oat milk at uh. Oh yeah. Is Frank Sinatra yeah, blasting absolutely. at the outdoor mall. Yeah. It's mm. never not Christmas at the outdoor mall. That's true. Um, and that's what the uh, that's what Orange County is all about, but that's also but you guys, Kid Detective, a fucking great movie. <laughs> but whatever, we'll we should we'll uh, plug that this interview. Whatever, we let's get to the get, get yeah. st- start the podcast, and then once we come back, uh, we'll be interviewing uh, Evan Morgan and Adam Brody um, from the movie Kid Detective, uh, which we're both big fans of. So anyway, welcome to Yeah, but still. everybody joining us this week 
uh, very special guests. Me and Brandon are super excited to have them here. Um, from the movie Kid Detective, we have writer-director Evan Morgan and star Adam Brody. Welcome to the podcast, fellas. Thanks for having us. Very yes, thanks, excited. guys. I'm feeling great. This is, I mean, movie movie of the year for me. Honestly, top, I agree. You know, wow. The yeah. Top top three. Awesome. Yeah. That's wicked, cool. guys. The thing with our podcast, like, we don't have, like, a publicist. We don't have, we're not on, like, any kind of podcast label or network. So, like, anybody that comes on. Is this a real show? Is this being recorded? <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> but, like, um, like, we only have things on that we really like, you know? And me and Brandon oh, both yeah, yeah. really love this movie. Um, Kid Detective, I guess, if, correct me if I'm wrong, this came out um, in theaters briefly pre-COVID and just like one of those unfortunate no. mid, mid-COVID. No, not oh, okay. COVID. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the height of COVID. Oh, so you guys were like encouraging people to go out to movies and spread the virus. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite. It's the safest place you could be is in a theater seeing this movie by yourself in a, room, in a huge room. Um, in terms of if you, if you wanted, if you wanted space... Seeing the kid detective in theaters is, uh, you know, about as much space as you could get. <laughs> um, I mean, we both really, really liked it. Evan, this is like your first movie, right? Like your first major directorial yeah. debut. Yeah, it's the first feature that I wrote and directed on my own. I, I, I uh, was part of another feature called The Dirties about seven years ago, which I wrote and edited and uh, co-produced with some friends. And uh, and that movie was made by basically four four guys in a basement and. Uh, uh, it was sort of one of those, it was one of those like found footage movies, kind of like Chronicle, but about a school shooting, kids planning a school shooting. Oh, wow. Um, and uh, and that, so that uh, premiered, uh, yeah, at Slamdance seven years ago and ended up winning the grand jury prize there. And that's basically how I connected with Adam originally. And I started working on The Kid Detective instantly. Like this was my follow up to that. And it's just taken us this long to finally get it financed and made and out into the world. So it's been a... a crazy crazy journey for for the audience who doesn't know i think a lot of people haven't had the chance to see it yet it's like a neo-noir it's about uh adam you play a a kind of like washed up child detective sort of in the vein of encyclopedia brown slash the hardy boys mm-hmm. i'm assuming those were like inspirations for the movie i don't know i i loved it it had like this uh this sort of like really light charm it was kind of like disconnected from our, our world that we're living in today it just like reminded me of like a classic indie movie that you don't kind of come across i mean yeah it's a, it's a perfect perfect comedy perfect noir yeah were you like a hardy boys encyclopedia brown fan growing up is this for adam or me both of you honestly i wasn't no i personally this is adam i i wasn't i was um but i think you know I, that still didn't stop me from instantly grasping the premise, even when Evan pitched it to me before I read anything. You know that archetype, even if you didn't read a bunch of it uh, growing up. So you don't really have to have that going in, and you can still have fun, fun with it. Um, so yeah, no, it, it worked to me more. You know, I was pulling, not pulling from, but like you know, it, it all the detective movies, you know, of adults. Uh, uh, that was kind of, you know, what I loved about it. But, but. As as well as as well as the kid background, but I mean, like I said, I didn't have a I didn't have a um, a big readership. It's it's funny because it, I was the same way. I, I actually hadn't read a, a single Encyclopedia Brown. Still haven't read a single Hardy Boys or Nancy Drew. Oh wow! Um, yeah, it, I, I but it was it was just the idea for the character that uh, 
like I think I actually originally had the idea when I was in film school to do like a, a, a movie, a short film about a kid detective who was still a kid, but who was solving like grisly, grisly crimes in this very sort of dark alternate universe. And uh, I never did it. And then when I was looking for something to work on with Adam, I just was sort of shuffling through my old ideas, stumbled upon this one again and was like, oh, you know what? What if uh, he was, you know, in his you know early 30s and still solving the same kinds of bullshit mysteries? And at that point, it like really sort of sparked for me. And I, I wrote the first part of the script really quickly just because um, I uh, the the premise implied the, the world and implied the irony and and. Uh, uh, the mystery stuff was a lot harder to write. And in order to sort of help me get into that mode, um, I read like every Encyclopedia Brown book and completely sort of dove in headfirst, as well as like reading a bunch of Raymond Chandler and uh, and the, the more sort of hard boiled stuff. And I also watched a bunch of like detective procedurals and, and kind of just sort of sucked up as much as I possibly could, just because I felt like very unprepared uh, you know, to, to write a mystery. And, uh, and now, you know, it's, it, it, it much like Adam was saying, it's like even without having read those books growing up, I think the icon is so, you know, like it's just so present in uh, North American culture and, and so familiar and, and so emblematic of this sort of like wholesome, uh, you know, kind of perfect suburban uh, oasis, <laughs> um, which was, you know, for us, the kind of the basis of the satire. Oh, yeah, totally. You, you, you touched on something earlier uh, about this. I think about, you know, not otherworldly, but it's a heightened world. It's its own world. I really loved that instantly and was so curious and excited to help build that world and see how it comes together on a small budget too, you know, to kind of take something that doesn't exist in our modern day, you know, uh, uh, place and time. And um, not that it's, it's sort of timeless. It's not that it's a period piece, but it just... Um, takes place somewhere else and uh uh in a fiction fictitious land and i uh just to build that and to build it on a low budget was really fun no absolutely brandon you've been quiet over there i'm gonna let you jump in no it's yeah i mean it's uh i'm hogging it i'm hogging the mic over here no absolutely i mean you're 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 here for the you know you're you've got the serious you know interview questions you know your your journalist mode i'm trying to get to the bottom of there, all this over here which is yeah no you're kind of yeah you're you're the fucking kid detective of, of this pod that you is know? true um yeah no i mean I, it's yeah it's just a it's it is a really fucking great movie and i this the whole reason why this podcast came together is because i like i just i was posting about it on instagram it was like yep yeah, perfect movie evan you hit me up and uh, you you said that there there like hasn't really been this is like there hasn't really been any sort of like advertising for for the movie so you, you you're kind of relying on stuff like this right now yeah totally yeah yeah I and mean like it's word again, of mouth it's just such a strange time like you know for a Canadian movie to have had a theatrical release that was as wide as ours is insane. Of course, the caveat is that like, it was in the midst of a plague <laughs> and like, you right, know, yeah. not with, <laughs> with, with literally uh, a four day runway from when the trailer came out to the movie's release. So they released the trailer on a Monday oh, and it was in like a thousand screens on Friday. And when I say release the trailer, I mean, put it on the internet. Um, you know, right. <laughs> You know what's funny um, is that you you mentioned that in in the movie the beginning part's supposed to be this kind of utopia, and then as you flash forward to the present tense in the movie, it's supposed to be this dystopian landscape. But in watching it now, 
even the dystopia is substantially better than the world we're living in right I now. Know. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I mean, that's a that's a funny thing about the times we're living in right now. Um, and th- it's like that with a lot of shows, uh, just really mundane things kind of come off like a fantasy. I was sort of talking about that. Like when I went back and watched some of the OC to prepare for this, um, I noticed that that was really exaggerated in there for me too. I mean, you know, at the time watching it, there was like drama and problems and stuff. But now when I watched it now, it just seems like a, a real utopia with like, you know, even the problems were minuscule and their lives are just perfect. You know, it's, it's an absolute fantasy watching it now um, during the pandemic, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think it was always looking good. Yeah, oh. yeah, it's pretty much. <laughs> I mean, no, of course. No, they're, they're like, like at no point watching the OC was I was I like, ah, oh, man, these these <laughs> these folks, they're down bad. Oh, no, 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 no. I mean, that pool house was looking right uh, at all times, you know, not just during the pandemic. But I mean, just like literally Seth walking around, having friends, being at the beach, going to parties like it just feels like a fantasy. Apropos, apropos, apropos of very little uh, except dystopia, uh, the the house, the OC house that's in the pilot that we then duplicated on a set. um, but that is a real house in the pilot is uh, burned down in the Wolsey fire. I oh man. Oh Jesus. Yeah. Dream is dead. Rest in peace. Yeah, That's yeah. very sad. Well, I mean, well, someone I'm, should definitely make that show. <laughs> yeah. The OC on fire. Yeah. That's a great premise for a revival. That's kind of a, uh, uh, fiction reality imitating fiction, right? Cause two episodes in that, that house, <laughs> that house gets damn burned down. Wow! Did it? No, it's what? another house. It's the not, it's not the model house. house. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Model <laughs> I, literally, and I'm not, you got. I I guarantee you guys are more up to speed on the show than I am. I was gonna say, uh, which I I all of you, which all I do. <laughs> I was gonna. I did want to save it for later, but I I did want to say that I really admire your uh, anti reboot philosophy because I I do think that that is very like refreshingly dignified. You know, you know, I, I think that. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that I have a. I don't have an across the board anti reboot philosophy personally. I just yeah. with this show don't have an interest and don't know how you would. You know, I'm sure. Listen, I mean, if there's money to be made, they'll figure out a way in. But I just think like, a, there's not a real organic. I don't. Know, maybe there right. is. I've never. I've never spent the time thinking about it. If you thought hard enough through, bang your head against the wall enough, I'm sure you'd figure out a way in. But. You know, I think part of it, I guess, is that at its heart, it's a teen show. It's a high school show. Their parents were heavily involved. They had their own storylines. But at its heart, it's sort of like, and adults really enjoyed it. But at its heart, it's sort of by and for teens and 20-somethings. And so certainly in terms of me, my involvement, like, there's nowhere for me to go except to be a parent and kind of check in every (laughs) once in a while. Yeah, I mean, um, it's it's kind of wild. Like, I I didn't realize I I was like watching an episode last night and realized that Marissa Cooper is like thirty four in real life <laughs> at the time. I forgot about that. <laughs> uh, oh yeah, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, I'm I'm you know, it's crazy to be. I'm now older than every parent in the pilot except for Peter Gallagher. <laughs> right. Um, that's crazy. Yeah, which is which is which is odd, but that's also television. They just cast the women so young. It's kind of gross. Right. Yeah. I no, mean, it's unfair. That, uh, gross. Grossly unfair. No. Right. No. They. You know. It's a. It's an industry that really fetishizes youth. And uh, yeah. It's. You know. You. Yeah. You know. You get it. 
Yeah, um, fucking early 2000s Fox. But I mean, it's I guess it never really changed. <laughs> no, I mean, not barely. I mean, it's I think it's probably inching toward progress right now. You know, I think people are finally talking about it openly. But, um, right. you know, it's getting there. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but yeah, reboots generally, I think, are I, I mean, I guess like I guess I have an anti-reboot philosophy. Uh-huh. You know, I kind of feel like if you want to fucking watch it, yeah, how about you? How about you damn reboot that DVD player and just right, watch right, 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 watch right. the fucking show that you like? Yeah, because it's all it's all very. Uh, have you seen like Fuller House ever? Yeah, it, that's it. Really... Feels like nightmarish. That well, you know, there's something. <laughs> I have a real bone to pick with Full House, which is like Fuller House, I, I should mean, not, say. Yeah, I just watched like, one episode, and it is nightmarish. But in fairness, yeah. probably like the original is too. Um, yeah, right. It's fucking insane. Uh, but um, in the in the, I only saw the first episode. And it's it, first of all, <laughs> if we can just go into Full House for a second, please. It's so fucking yeah. crazy because the pilot uh, or the premise of Full House is that like he's a widower. <laughs> With three kids, I think, or two kids, three three kids, right. and he's a widower. His wife's killed tragically, very young, and they're you know they're all going to come together. Yeah, the did dad. they ever establish how his wife gets killed? I don't remember. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Um. Um. So okay. So the way they fucking do <laughs> the reboot is the oldest w- girl has like three kids. And her husband dies. Young. <laughs> they need, these people are all dying. <laughs> and yeah. so they all gonna are gonna move in and help her raise the kids. Like they're the fucking Kennedys or something. Like just <laughs> generational tragedy. Yeah, the, the Tanner tragedy. legacy. Yeah, yeah Lee. So and then and then and then like sweep it under the rug. Like we're not even gonna lean into that. That's just like backstory. Everyone dies in this fucking family. But like tragically young, and then and everyone's raised without their parents. It's awful. But um, the other thing I thought was so cheap about it um, uh, uh, is there's a moment in it. It's just so it's cheap. It's lazy writing, and it's like where they're like they say something about the Olsen kids. Oh, like, where's, yes. Where's so? Where's whatever her name was? Um, and they're and they're like they went off to New York. She went off to New York to be in fashion, and they all beam the camera yes. lens. Like, ugh, this is so lame. <laughs> Those fucking girls were like six months old when they Holy signed shit, on. Yeah. Dude, literal babies. Yes, they yes, do not I've... have to do. And now they're like self-made billionaires. They do not have to do your shitty reboot. Yeah, and they do not deserve <laughs> right. your scorn for not being part of this fucking shit show. Anyway, yeah, shaming these twins that don't want to participate in a thing that they like were cast in without their consent as like yeah. fucking infants. It's wild. It is, it is no, wild. I've, I have gone on this same exact rant. <laughs> I'm so amazed I'm that like you guys so have both glad. watched the reboot <laughs> enough to like <laughs> be having the well, opinions is, at all. Just the first I mean, episode, and, but and, I mean, again, like I, I do think like it's not like like the reboot is a, uh, you know, I, I, I don't bring it up uh, in a way where I'm like it reverent towards the original Full House. Like, I'm not yeah. like, oh, this is a disservice to, you know, the legacy of the original Full House. Like, you know, whatever. But, I mean, Fuller House does represent something to me in culture that I think is just so, like, abhor- abhorrent, you know, and just fucking, like, nasty. Right? Where, like, you have to re- you anim- House. reanimate the corpse all the time, you know? 
Yeah, it's. I mean, it's just this, you know, really dumb like cultural Ouroboros human centipede, you know, fucking mm. shitting into our own mouths. Sure. And uh, like the end, the end of Fuller House. Oh, you is, made it uh, to the end. <laughs> oh, I made it to the end. I had to. <laughs> I watched the full first. I only watched the first episode of Fuller House, and I was like, "All right, I understand this." Oh, the end of the first episode. Uh, okay. The end of the first episode of no no no. I thought you made it to the end of the last season. episode of Fuller House. No, I watched the first episode of Fuller House. And okay, I was like, okay, okay. I'm pissed off. I'm gonna watch this whole run. Yeah. Right now, um, no, the end of the first episode of Fuller House. They uh, there's this scene where they're singing the Flintstones theme song to the like baby of the like new character or whatever or, you know the new baby, and they're the all new, like the new orphan. Yeah, and they're <laughs> yes, and they're like doing like this dance and like singing around the fucking crib, and then it cuts to a split screen of that exact scene happening in the original Full House. Oh, and it's like yeah, so it's already like the original scene is already nostalgic. Yeah, like they're it's, like it's a scene where it's already like. They're already doing this like nostalgic bullshit, and then it cuts right, to a right, split screen sure. of them doing it twenty years later, and that it's like, how is this not? They're beating you over the head yeah. with a reference, just like bonking you over the head, like, "Hey, we're doing a, right. a reference now." It's like it's pretty much a, it's a weird fourth wall break, really. It's very it's very strange. That show is very fucking it is. disorienting. It's also like so saccharine. It's funny to have. Um what's his name the dad after kind of playing on his you oh, know bob saget of that show yeah bob saget to then like lean into like the pervert comedy for 30 years to come <laughs> right, back yeah. to do like sesame street again it's, yeah yeah no he spent years like a building <laughs> a yeah building his uh stand-up brand on like yeah danny tanner uh oh, fuck my daughters <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. god and then he's just he's he's back at it, back at it again. But my mom my mom loves Fuller House and I, I regret like yeah. sort of I came home and my mom's like, oh, I watched all of Fuller House on Netflix and I was like, Oh man, like this is this cultural Ouroboros or whatever <laughs> and she's like, I don't I don't think it's nice. <laughs> and I was like, All right, well that's you know there's definitely an audience for this and so, you know maybe well, I should in, calm in down. In general, I actually have to say, funny enough despite my aversion to like an OC one or, or whatever they can do it. I just mean me, but, but, um, <laughs> but like actually weirdly in general, I don't kind of mind. I think like there's something it's so cheap, but I, even I get like excited by, um, I don't know. It's just like, Oh, it's something you liked and they're doing it again. And it just feels like, I don't know. It's like, and even certainly as an it actor, like, yeah, when you hear like, oh, they're casting, you know, like there's something cheap and easy to, I, I don't know. I want to, there's like, you know, they did like, they remade Straw Dogs, like the Screen Gems mm. cheap version. It's such a weird idea. And, you know, I'm sure they didn't make any money on it, but like, you know, 10 years ago now. And it's so cheap, but like still part of me is like, oh, I want to be Dustin Hoffman. I want to be that character. <laughs> I, I'd be Dustin Hoffman, even though what? those two things are very different. Right. Uh, What's surprising for me, though, is that like so rarely do you see 
the concept or the story or the scripts updated. You know what I mean? They're doing the update. They're casting actors who are, you know, James Marsden becomes Dustin Hoffman. And I agree with you when I heard that it was like, oh, okay, that's interesting because those two dudes are so different. You know, it's like, those are not equivalents. And so that makes me interested in where they're headed with this remake. And then you watch the remake and it's exactly the same movie beat to beat to beat to beat. And it's, you know, that's the part of it that confuses me where it's like, what was the hope for it in terms of like, you know, the box office, like, what, 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 you know, so (laughs) right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Have you seen that, that side by side of, uh, in the, in the, uh, in the air tonight, that Lion King song? Uh, that's a Phil oh, Collins. Wait, can you song. feel the love tonight, yeah. or whatever? Can you feel the love tonight? It's like uh, a side by side of like the original and like the new one. And like, one. I didn't know there's a new one. There's the a Lion one. King. Oh, oh, in the new movie. Okay, okay, okay. The, All right. Yeah, the yeah, Lion yeah. King remake. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's like the the characters move so statically in the new uh, one, but yeah, it's, it's so like, much worse. It's just shot for shot. Right. And it's it is yeah like i don't think they changed anything about like the new i think it is literally just the same script but like new actors and it is like that that kind of stuff makes me very cynical I guess. we turned that on the other night because we, we just got disney plus that we could look at uh the new pixar and uh yeah we put uh we put the lion king on and yeah it, you're right it is shot for shot for shot the same like the opening uh song um where they they have like a shot of the zebra and then a shot of like the meerkats or whatever like it, it, it's they've just rebuilt the entire movie and it's still animated it's not live yeah, it's action so weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know yeah to bring it full circle back to the oc and what we were talking about um with full house i was thinking that you know one reason the remake of it doesn't work is that the setting doesn't work you know you look where they live um it's this widower living with a gang of people in san francisco like right in the main drag it just like it literally yeah, yeah, yeah. could yeah. not work in the future like they would be a millionaire oh yeah they've been <laughs> displaced by yeah they have to be fucking, billionaires yeah tech bros and it, likewise um the oc if you were to imagine a modern version of it i mean with the setting i guess orange county's always had a reputation of being right wing that being said sure. things have certainly changed in the world quite a bit i mean maga and QAnon. <laughs> i think like so many of the characters i mean in real life orange county's been completely taken over by anti-mask people QAnon, uh maga people i mean it's just an absolute hotbed specifically this year so it's it's just weird to imagine that show taking place in in today's orange county yeah. you yeah. know what i'm saying yeah. i know i mean even some of the actors themselves, I'm not going to name any names. Well, I'll name Kevin Sorbo. You know, I'll name Kevin Sorbo, but he's yeah. become one of the top tier MAGA guys um, in real life. Yeah. I mean, there's a couple OC MAGA turns that happen. Yeah, that's right. I forgot. Oh, a- I wait, I Anna? Uh, Anna's yeah, one, one third of the... Yeah, yeah one third of that... Uh, Seth Cohen love triangle is now a uh, full full MAGA. Yeah, yeah. I guess yeah. Seth made the right choice. I guess. So the point. Uh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. I I wondered like how different was the character of Seth from like you at the time? Like he was like a super music like like what was your music taste um, when you were doing the show? Like what were you listening to? Because like it was super musical show and it was like a massive part of the character. Um, yeah, I think, I think, um, you know, 
for a, for at least a brief part of the time, they were very, very similar, you know, I think, and I think it kind of fused uh, what I liked and what Josh, Josh Schwartz was into too. You know, I think he wrote this drama and then I, I did the pilot and I think, because it was so melodramatic, it was pretty easy without even being like a comedian, so to speak. Like it was pretty easy to like inject some humor into the very self-serious scenes. And, um, and Josh is really funny. So I think he really responded to that. And I was like, Oh shit, I can write. That's even more fun for me to write, you know? And then, and then kind of um, took a lot of what I was in, you know, uh, so at the time, Death Cab for Cutie was my favorite band. Yeah. And then a lot of, a lot of the bands, but Schwartz, Schwartz was into all the, the, you know, the indie music scene very much too. And we'd go to concerts together and, um, comic books were more my thing at the time. He didn't have a real background in that. Um, you know, whereas I had a couple phases of my life where I was heavily, heavily invested. And then, um, yeah. And then, and then, so we kind of merged voices for a while and, um, and it was, and then I don't really, uh, I swear to God, the last couple seasons are a blur. I don't remember what <laughs> happened. Or I was, uh, uh, I don't, it was a different show though. In my, in my fairness, like well, seasons I mean, one and two, it's a different show. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, yeah. I, I, without even having seen, you know, the last time I saw it, it was like years ago and we showed, I think my wife's friend like we're like let's watch a, the pilot and then like maybe some of the last episode <laughs> yeah. and it just like <laughs> and even though it was only four seasons it was like there were there were different planets could have been on different channels just different <laughs> they didn't even exist in the same and um yeah, I, don't, so, I, I don't want i don't understand what what that shift was what because happened i do remember like season three like they stopped having like any kind of like fun music mm. Uh-huh. And then it was like, I don't know. It just it. Can I weigh in on this? Because I'm I'm a big big fan. Yeah, please weigh in, yeah, please, Evan. For me, okay, the first season of the show is phenomenal, right? And you can tell that it was a show that. What would you guys have like a ten episode order originally, and then it was extended to like twenty eight or something? Yeah, um, I think the first season is like thirty. They're like we're picking you up for seven right now, and then yeah, like, yeah incredibly like self aware. Yeah. And, and you can tell that it like, like, uh, I mean, the story moves so quickly, right. Which I think becomes the problem later on is that you guys told so much, like you gave us so much so quickly, like, you know, uh, Seth and Summer is one thing, but also like Ryan and Marissa, everyone, you know, gets together, then they break up then they get together again. It's all so accelerated. And you can tell that like, you know, um, they're keeping up with the, the demand and the, it's just, you know, everything is, self-aware but not self-conscious and then by the time that you're in season two the show's broken out and become such a you know a cultural phenomena and you can see that the show is just more self-conscious like it like it, it's aware of you know the the fact that oh we we, we we presented the audience with like the scandal where an underage boy sleeps with like the, his girlfriend's mom and like it's salacious and uh, it leans harder into that, that into that stuff. Whereas I think for me, at least the original charm of the show, the reason that it surprised me so much was just uh, the the dynamic between the family, you know, like the the it wasn't actually the kind of like the scandalous sort of Orange County. Look at like the, uh, you know, what the um, 
the rich and, you know, get, get up to or blah, 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 look at their kids. It was like the, the actual kind of wholesome element of everything. And, uh, and by the second season for me, it was like the rules of the world have changed a little bit where now there's a little more winking at the camera. Like now the show is more self-aware. And then for me, by the third season, um, it was after Trey gets shot, you know what I mean? And now we're the dark show. We're like, you know, it's steeped in tragedy and right. like that there's going to be yes. guns and violence and, you know, uh, everything is so dark and cold. And, you know, uh, Kelly Rowan's character is getting manipulated by her alcoholic friend, like right out of the gate. Like this, this is this is my memory of it. And then I think in the fourth season, uh, it, it tried to, uh, you know, re-inject, I guess, sort of like the levity and the irony, but in a way that was just very different, like from what Adam, uh, like Adam was saying, very different from where it began, which was way more grounded, like way more real and way more earnest. Um, and I think as a consequence, just like way more funny and effective. I appreciate how big of OC nerds us three are. This definitely has the energy of like <laughs> when, when Harrison Ford gets interviewed about Star Wars at Comic-Con. <laughs> <laughs> well, I off rip, I did want to, I was, I did talk to Jack about this when we, we booked the podcast and I was like, I really like can't let this become the Chris Farley show. Uh, like, I really like, don't want this to just fucking be me like, oh yeah. Oh, Hey, yeah. So you were on. Yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. You're on the OC, you know? <laughs> So I'm sorry. <laughs> no, well, I, the one, two things I'll say about it real fast. One, I agree with Evan. I think that, and, and for what, in today's world, like, yeah, the show's on for four years, but that's like, it was on for 12 seasons of like a streaming show. So, you know, the first season alone is three seasons of fucking Stranger Things or something. So like, I think like it's a real accomplishment. Um, yes, they, I just think they, besides tone or besides anything, I think they cycled their story way too fast. And, um, you know, weren't, weren't, uh, didn't let anything burn for a whole season. And so, you know, with the Seth and Summer characters, they, it became a sitcom very fast, which in the moment I appreciated because I didn't like doing the melodrama. I'd, I'd prefer to just do like light comedic stuff. But for a one hour show that's going to keep you invested 23 hours a year, we would break up at the beginning of every episode and then get back together by the end. Um, certainly of the last two se- in the last two seasons, as far as I remembered it. And that just doesn't have the same dramatic tension as keeping us apart for two seasons. You know what I mean? And wanting, right. and I, and I think even, I remember Josh, you know, there was a bad guy. What was his name? There's a bad guy early on that like got Marissa into drugs, like in, in like episode five, six, yeah. something like that. And Oliver. Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yes. Yeah. And, the audience hated him so much. I remember Josh was very like, he like would joke about it, even in interviews. Like that was my biggest mistake. Oliver. Oh God, the Oliver. I feel so bad about Oliver. And it's like, <laughs> he felt so bad. And it's like, no, that's, that's great. They were furious. You had him riled up and they wanted to yeah. see this come to conclusion. They fucking hated him. And like, that's good. You know, that's more of that. And I think there's a rel- reluctance to do that in the same way that like, Oh, people like Seth and summer together. Let's just have them, be together all the time versus upsetting the audience. And then um, also just on a personal note, any clip of it I've seen on Twitter or some the other reason I'm sort of loath to like get too into it or like hard to, even though I'm so happy with the legacy of it and I'm proud that I got to be, I am a part of pop culture and you know, um, 
the sound of my own fucking voice on that show, even though I was in my mid twenties, <laughs> it feels like I'm 13 and I'm going through hard puberty. And I just, and, and, and not only that, the acting choices I'm making, the fashion, all of it. Like I just, I can't stomach myself in any clip I've seen. I haven't given it, given it a real watch, but I, any clip I've seen makes me want to throw up. So that's well, another reason that, you know, times have know. changed. I, I think the weird thing is that like, because I mean, I was I, I was Seth Cohen's age, I think, when it came out, maybe a little younger. But uh, the weird thing is that like so much so much of what you were wearing was supposed to be like nerdy and emo at the time, but now it's just kind of like regular guy clothes, like the yeah. track jackets and shit like that. It's very funny how sure. like like emo fashion of that era is just kind of like been absorbed into normal it clothes. Is, it is kind of wild though. Yeah, there there were some costuming decisions on that program. Where the they were it it feels like sabotage yeah not not so much with Seth Cohen but I think with like a lot of the uh, there were there were like some Marissa fits you look normal I, I, Adam you look normal the other w- costumes like age what Brandon's talking about like right you're the normal guy I've seen some shots I've seen some shots also you know as an actor with the now going on longish career. Hair is really like ghosts of hair, you know. Haircuts are oh the for real sure. Thing. Like honestly, we're yeah. we're stands over here. We we support um sweet all of Seth Cohen. I have um I have another question. Just to kind of round that off. What was it like being in that show at the time? Because like you're not playing that the character's similar to you as a person, and also there's these shows that came after like like the imitate like the hills and stuff like that where they're like reality shows. And they're kind of acting, and they all kind of got grouped in together. That feels very weird to me. You know what I'm saying? Like, Brandon, do you know what I'm talking about? How, like, the hills... I mean, just, like, that time in culture where there were, like, reality shows that were... That existed because of the culture created by the OC. Yeah. And then, like, how those bled into each other. And then you're actually living there in real life as a guy. And also, (laughs) seemingly kind of an out... you, You know, kind of an outsider, more of a, you know... It, it, it's i feel like you're not you were never really like entrenched in like that kind of in that aspect of it yeah of it i don't know i mean two things i'll say like i uh uh even in explaining to someone now who doesn't know me or my work or i'm having a casual conversation oh you're an actor what do you do i'm like well i'll kind of just go to the oc because like if you've heard of anything it's probably that and i'd say a good third of the time it's they've I'm, they think I'm Brody Jenner from Laguna Beach. Oh, no. <laughs> and then they're like, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yeah, yeah. And then, um, I don't know, the other thing, I guess, is that it seems like a, I'm from San Diego. I've lived in L.A. for 20 years. Um, I'm definitely a beach bum now more than ever since high school. And I would even consider living there someday, except I never can, I feel like. So it's too embarrassing. Oh, right. So, oh, you'd be stopped and feel a little constantly. on the nose. Just too fucking funny. <laughs> I mean, you seem like you seem like a super, like I don't know, like uh, you kind of have different taste than like a lot of the people that were like in that world. You've you've made like these very like discerning career decisions, where you know I feel like you've tried to like kind of. You know, and you've successfully pivoted out of that. Yeah, uh, I don't you know, know. But you know, no, was no, that no. was that like weird being like around th- this like that 
that you know that culture at all like just sort of well the, i don't like, know what do you mean by early cult? 2000s part like early 2000s like party culture of like you know like misha barton was very Paris like the tabloids yeah with, like yeah paris, yeah. paris hilton blah, blah. is in that one episode like you know it was very very insular actually at the time i think like i hesitate to even scares me to think about uh uh like social media now and what it would have been like in terms of feeling like under a microscope. And, but I was 23 when it started. So I wasn't, you know, it's still young, but I wasn't as impressionable as impressionable as I could have been. Um, and also, uh, pre social media, we filmed in Manhattan beach, like kind of in the middle of nowhere. And, um, I was dating my co-star most of the time. And, Josh was dating her best friend. My agent got married to the costumer. They're still married and have three kids. Like it was so insular and it was great. It was great fun, you know, for like right. the majority of that time, we all just kind of hung out. There was a group of like, you know, circle circling out to about 30 people, let's say. And um, so, yeah, I didn't feel, it felt like, I don't know. It felt college. It, it didn't feel too hedonistic and it didn't feel um, too yeah. dangerous. And That's I didn't great. feel, I, and and also I did not feel superior or you know, uh, uh, in any way you know, having more of an indie sensibility or something, and I couldn't relate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I, I don't know. It was, um, it was all very friendly. It was nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. I, I see what Brandon you mean about like like there was a path, there was an alternate path, very close that was possible of that time. You know, right. Where with like the Spencer Pratt era when they're on the cover of all the tabloids and stuff. Like yeah, that was... I mean, listen, I, I could have. Sure. I mean, look, that's true. But not that you would have. No, I mean, look, I, I, the deciding factor in me doing the show was Doug Lyman directing the pilot. And I was a huge fan of of all his previous work. And um, so I was coming at it from a and also I was very. uh opportunistic in the or strategic in a way too of just like this can get me you know i mean it was it wasn't a means it, it wasn't uh a goal in in and of itself it was also a lot i felt like it could be a stepping stone and and what have you and it was and it also is never still to this day like i do not feel and i never have like it's an albatross or it's something that i gotta like you know, at the time I was, I guess, pretty, I was fairly precious because I'm like, I'm doing this teen soap by day, my extracurricular work. I want to be, I'm not trying to forge it. You know, it's just that like, I I needed to really represent the other part of me or, you know, my other sensibilities and, and uh, maybe to the detriment of my career, quite honestly, you know, there's a few opportunities, not many because that show filmed like 10 months a year. So we had very little time to kind of do other things. Um, so there wasn't that many opportunities to really branch out anyways during the filming of that show. But, you know, I let a few pass me by cause I felt like they were just a little too kind of teen, too light. Um, and, uh, I don't know, I'd still end up in the same place whether I did them or not, but you know, at the, a while ago I was thinking, Oh, maybe I should have, but I mean, it, it's a great show that still holds up hundred percent to this day Two of one of the great shows of that era. I'd say that in Friday night lights. Two of my favorites of the time that still yeah, hold up too. hard, heavily. And to bring it back, I'd say 
because a lot of us still have that really positive nostalgia about that show, I think it made uh, it made Adam a really good casting choice for Kid Detective. Um, yeah, and, and early promise and failure. <laughs> absolutely not. Absolutely not. Positive nostalgia. It, it, well, you know, let's yeah. <laughs> Recollection of youth. I don't feel I don't feel that way, but I've noticed enough reviewers or interviews like there is that question and I, for what it's worth i'm fine with it and i think in any way that like a viewer might feel that way it works for the character it actually like lends it that that, that well yeah never i've i i want to go on record and say i never felt that way because i've you know i've been uh, you know i've been uh on the brody train for for years now no thanks Brent. you know during during that you know i fucking i watch i watch jennifer's body every halloween Every well, Halloween, watching, wow. you know, every every Halloween season, not every Halloween proper, that's the, the, but, the whole you know, day. And also, Burning Love, I, I, you know, I think always gets left out of the conversation. And Adam is very good on Burning Love, which has like a fucking wrecking crew of, does, a, of an really ensemble. Yeah, yeah. Have you watched Have you watched Burning Love, Jack? I've seen some of it. I think a fucking great show. Yeah. I mean, it's like. Yeah. Really good. You know, Mike, Michael, Sarah, uh, Adam, who's uh, Paul Shear, Rob Hubel, every, oh, yeah. uh, you know, real, real heater. Yeah. And June, June, Diane, Raphael, who's so fucking good. Uh, amazing. Uh, yeah. I mean, I could, I could, I could name some more. It's really good. Um, yeah. I'm going to go on record as well, just for safety that I, I did not mean it in that way as well. But I mean, I really do think it was a good casting choice um, because, Adam, I mean, you know, it relies a lot on that, and it's easy to have positive memories of this person when they're younger because you watch the OC, even if they're passive, uh -huh. just uh -huh. as an intertextual reference. Yeah, I mean, Evan, I, I didn't want, I, I don't want Evan to get, uh, I, I, I want to include Evan. I'm trying to throw the ball here. back to Evan right now. I'm trying to throw the <laughs> yeah. ball, you know. I'm trying to do a lateral pass. Over you you, you right are now. right. Like in the, it relates to what we were saying at the beginning about how like we are. Um, relying on a on a kind of collective nostalgia you know people's nostalgia for kid detective books is not so different from people's nostalgia for the oc you know it like we were saying before it's just a glimpse of a different simpler more beautiful world <laughs> you know where, where the the greatest problems are insignificant compared with what we deal with you know in in our actual world and uh, and so it's true that like that that uh you know as far as like filling in the gaps um uh, with this character, you know, it, it, it really helps that like for a lot of people, they're, they're, they're sort of like most kind of, uh, uh, you know, a special or, you know, most sacred memory of Adam is from the OC, you know, which especially now just feels like, you know, a utopic. Oh yeah. World, mm -hmm. you know, and, and those, a world. Yeah. Those bands performing at the local bait shop. Are you kidding me? Yeah. It's just like literally a <laughs> fantasy land, you know? It's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, Kid Detective, I, I really don't want to like, I, I don't want to skip like any opportunity to plug this because I really think everybody needs to see this movie. Um, yeah, because we have, we have been trying to ride the line of like not spoiling anything. I, I do think it is a movie where you should go in knowing as little as possible. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. 100%. Like I, I really, I, I'm really grateful that I, I, went in knowing like nothing no not not even a i didn't watch the trailer i just watched Ooh, the movie wow. and loved it it's like it's so funny and it's so it's a uh, yeah i mean 
again, yeah, perfect noir, perfect comedy, and uh, just a really like refreshing movie. And it does feel like a movie that is gonna just like for for years. I I, I think it's gonna be one of those things where you know uh, it's gonna be a big word of mouth thing of like, oh, nice. have you you haven't seen you haven't seen kid you haven't seen Kid Detective, and then you you put them on nice. to it, and they're like, oh, this is the best shit i've seen in my life i hope so <laughs> no i'm yeah know. i agree it, i i i love it and i'm so proud of it and i i yeah i hope it no it definitely has that vibe too. of like you know the mate falling into the major indie movie classics category 100 percent. i mean that's amazing thanks so much guys that's uh that, that is obviously like the dream with a film like this I, you know you don't have too many like expectations when it comes to uh uh, like grosses or like what it's going to do with the box office or, you know, any of, any of that stuff. It really is just about um, hoping it will connect with people who are, you know, like us and, you know, are, you have share our sense of humor um, who like share our reverence for like the genre of film noir and detective stories. And um, you know, it, 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 so we're, we're also hopeful that uh, now that it's being released on digital, that, uh, um, that it's going to, you know, find its audience. And then we're just, you know, super pleased, uh, to, to have you guys plugging it and to, and to hear oh, people absolutely. talking about it. It's the best. Yeah. I mean, fucking timeless, timeless movie. I think it's going to outlive all of us. You know, I, I, <laughs> I, I have not found myself laughing out loud at movies this year, but like I was laughing out loud many, many times throughout this movie, um, right. which was like always refreshing like this year to be like truly laughing hard at a movie. It's like, I don't know. It's rare and always sticks out to me. Um, Thanks. How can people watch it? And can you give more detailed info on like how, how do pe- people watch this and when? So January 19th, uh, it should be available on all digital platforms. So uh, Amazon, iTunes, Apple TV, you know, wh- whatever your cable provider is, you should be able to rent it. Um, yeah, it should be. So that's tomorrow. When this comes out, that'll be tomorrow. Is so that it tomorrow? Out- it will oh, be. It out. will be in the future. <laughs> you know, for us, it's in a week. For them, it's tomorrow. So tomorrow night, I'd say, go watch yeah. Kid Detective. Folks. Fire it up. You can you can be watching it in twenty four hours. Absolutely. Um, any other final plugs for you guys? I know you have to go to another interview. I think, but um, Adam, do you have anything you want to plug besides the movie? Anything I want to plug? Uh, any final thoughts? <laughs> Just, you know, we're in the middle of an impeachment here, and uh, I just hate these motherfuckers so much. Right. Um, <laughs> that's all. They're just traitors to, to and when I say, I, I mean Republicans. Um, they're fucking traitors to humankind. Not just, uh, they're just, or, or they're rubes. They're gold, and they're and, and a bit of both. But uh, these, these fucking politicians are just um, criminal. That's all. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I'm, I'm glad, but I'm glad. I'm glad we're cleaning house. I'm glad. Uh, I think. I think times are changing, and I. I. You know. I'm. I'm fairly optimistic about the future, even uh, uh, more so than most of my friends. And so I feel like there's a lot of upheaval, but I think on the other side of this is greener pastures. I. I think and hope. I think so too. I mean, I think. I think, so, yeah. I think it's gotten so weird that it's hard to imagine uh what it was like before but there was a time you know yeah and with well what's crazy is it's never going to be like that again you know that's the thing i keep thinking about is like we're so far out at sea now 
like when tr- Trump's gone, when the vaccine, you know, takes hold, we're still going to be a diff- very different society than we were. And like I said, I think ultimately maybe for the better, but, but it ain't going to be the OC anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> OC, like I said, <laughs> be a very, very different show right now. Very different, especially with some of the cast, Kevin Sorgo- Sorbo included. Mm. Um, anyway, guys, thank you so much for coming on the yeah, podcast. Evan, yeah, Seriously. Evan, Adam, thank you. Very oh, thank much. you guys. Thanks for having us. And, I was, and, I was very intimidated. Yeah, I we're... was very intimidated going into this because I do, I do know that every woman I've ever had sex with would murder me to uh, have sex with Adam Brody once. <laughs> wow. Maybe, um, no, I'm not going to comment. Anyway. <laughs> 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 yeah. um, all right. Thanks, guys. Thanks for coming. Awesome. Thanks so Thank much. Guys.